to those of you that are joining us online. So this Sunday, we're concluding our Easter 22 Join Us on the Journey series. And you may be thinking, Greg, Easter was a couple of weeks ago. Why are you still talking about Easter? Because we're on a journey. That's why we're still talking about Easter. And there's more to talk about. But today, we're going to conclude our series. You know, I've loved that we've been able to look at not only Palm Sunday, but Jesus' death on the cross when he rose from the dead. We've talked about what happened in that period afterwards and the the Great Commission. And this morning we're going to be talking about the Ascension. But before we do, let me just do a quick review from last Sunday. Kevin was talking about the Great Commission, and I just want to catch anybody up that may have not been here last week. What is the Great Commission? Why is that important? So that the Great Commission comes from um, Luke And we find it in 24, and it says this, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is what Jesus said right before he left this earth. This was the great commission he gave not only to the disciples that were there, but he gives it to you and I. So, Newsflash, in two more weeks from now, we're going to have a water baptism here. We, we clear some, some chairs, we put a big tub, a portable tub here, and we have water baptisms on a Sunday morning. So if you're interested, go to our website, look at the What's Happening page. We're going to be doing water baptisms in two more weeks from today. But you know, when I read this, it says, Therefore, and go make disciples, baptizing them, and tell others the good news. And you know, for so many years of my life, if I'm honest... I've been like, oh, I don't really want to tell other people. Like, can't I just keep it to myself and, and just kind of, you know, enjoy God? Why do I got to go tell other people? It's awkward. It's strange. Like, I don't know what to say. And maybe you're here and you, you're like me, right? We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But the title of my message this morning is Why Jesus Had to Leave. All right, so we know that he was here on the earth. We know he died, he was resurrected, and then there was a period where he stayed on the earth before he sent it into heaven. So I've got a Starbucks or a Dunkin' Donut gift card for the first person that will raise their hands and tell me how many days was Jesus here on the earth before he ascended into heaven. How many days? Don't yell it. I see a hand. All right, Joyce. 40 days. Which do you like better, Starbucks or Dunkin's? Dunkin's. All right, here you go. So you might be uh, understanding that I'm watching too much for Survivor, but for the rest of you, got nothing for you, you know. (laughs) She's the one. She's the one who raised her hand first. Yes, 40 days. It pays pays to pay attention. Because I was asking my wife this yesterday just to see, like, would she know it or not? And she did. She, She got the answer. And I'm like, did you know that Kevin's title of his message last week was 40 Days in the Great Commission? She's like, I don't remember titles, but I did know it was 40 days. So somehow it stuck with her. So that's awesome. But why did Jesus have to leave? Right? We're going to continue the story and continue the journey in Luke 24. We're going to pick it up in verse 44. And it says this. This is Jesus talking. Then he said, when I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand scripture. And he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. And it was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. And the message is this. 
there is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. Right? So Jesus was, was telling his disciples, like, these are his last words on earth. If, if you wanted to put any importance on, on what someone says, how about the last thing they say to you, right? So this is what Jesus is saying, but he's telling them, everything written about Jesus in the law of Moses and the prophets, it's got to be fulfilled. Now, did you know there's a key to what he's saying here? Right? Many of us, we might read the Bible and it's like, I don't know that I get this Old Testament. Why did God have to do this and that and the other thing? Like, how does it all come together? Jesus is telling them, look, when you read the Old Testament, especially because that's the only Bible they had, it all points to him. And if you're not getting to know Jesus as you're reading the Bible, if you're just understanding history, maybe getting a little more head knowledge, you're missing the whole point of reading the Word of God, right? The Word of God points us to Jesus and points us to the fact that his, his uh, prophecy was foretold, who he was, was, was all throughout the Old Testament. And, and now he's talking to his disciples, and frankly, they were part of the people that had missed it too, right? So, so then he goes and does one more thing to them. He opens their minds to understand the scriptures. Isn't that amazing, right? So, so they had read for all these years about Psalm 22, you know, and, and there's going to be one that they're going to gamble over his clothes, and, and he's going to be forsaken, and he's going to be put on a cross. They'd read that knowing the Messiah was coming, and they miss Jesus. But now it's like, he opens their mind to understand Scripture. Now, if you're like me, like, wouldn't you want your mind to be open to understand Scripture? I'm like, yeah, I want that. Hold on, it's coming. We've, I've got good news for you. And then Jesus tells them this message, that he's the Messiah and there's forgiveness of sins for all who repent. And it's a message that's going to be proclaimed not just with with human lips, but in the authority of his name to all the nations. That's the Great Commission. That's for you and I. We're we're the ones that are supposed to, to share that message. Now, if you've ever been uncomfortable, here's the good news for you. Let's keep reading. You're witnesses of all these things, and now I'll send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes on you and fills you with what? With power from heaven. Then Jesus led them to Bethany and lifting up his hands to heaven, he blesses them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. So they worshiped him and they returned to Jerusalem filled with great joy. What a time that must have been. Right? To see Jesus, he's saying these last words. He lifts his hands and he's like, adios amigos. You know, next time I see you, I'll see you in heaven. Wow. That's just, what a glorious day that was. But before he left, he said, wait, because just as my father promised, there's going to be a Holy Spirit that's going to come in power. Power to do what? Power to fill us with what we need to, to preach the gospel. Power with what we need to understand scripture, to open up our minds. Now, have you ever been promised anything in your life? I remember being little. My dad sometimes would say, hey, kids, if we work really hard all Saturday long, you know what? After dinner, I'm going to take you out for ice cream. And, and, you know, my dad was a military guy. There's not much we did as a family of eight kids. We never really went out to dinner, too many of us, you know. But we would go out for ice cream sometimes. I remember times coming back from maybe a, a concert at, at school, um, and all of us would just start to chant this chant. How many of you know Carvel? Anybody familiar with the ice cream store Carvel, right? We grew up in New York. Carvel was like our, our ice cream store. 
But we couldn't just go in and get the soft serve because that cost too much. We would get the pack of 10 flying saucers because you could take it to go. And it was a lot easier to, to get it home because it's going to make a mess if you eat it in the car. Um, so they keep it in a little you know, cooler bag until we get home. But we're driving home and all of us kids would start to chant. Someone would start it. One, two, three, Carvel. One, two, three. And then we're pounding on the seats. One, two, three, Carvel. And then my dad would go, we're going to Carvel. And everybody would go, woohoo! So that's how excited we would get about a promise for ice cream. But we got way bigger promises today. We got a promise of the Holy Spirit in power. Why, why don't we understand this, people? Like God has said, if I leave, I will give you the Holy Spirit. And he will come on you with power from on heaven. So here's what we can understand so far. The Holy Spirit comes. He opens our understanding to Scripture. You know, if you've ever read Scripture and you're like, I don't really get it. You're reading it wrong. Because here's what you need to do. You need to pray before you read it and say, Holy Spirit, would you open up my mind to understand Scripture? You know how many times I've read the same verses I've read a gazillion times before. And all of a sudden I'm reading them and it's like, whoa. I'm seeing something I never saw before. Was this always written in there? Like, how did that happen? But the Holy Spirit just opens our minds to Scripture when we pray to him and ask him to read it. And he also gives us the power to witness. You know, and I was thinking about some of my experiences, uh, some of my experiences in sharing my faith. So many of you know I was an engineer for 32 years before I left engineering and became a pastor. You know how many people I led to the Lord in 32 years of going to work and working at high-tech companies? Maybe 10, maybe less than 10. But since I've been a pastor for five years, it's probably over 100 people that I've been able to lead to the Lord. So I have to ask myself, what's the difference? Am I really different as a person now that I've become a pastor than when I was an engineer? And you know what? No, I'm really the same person. But there's one big difference. Every day I pray like my life depends on it. Holy Spirit, I need you today. Because I can't do my job without the Holy Spirit coming and fill me. I would pray as I'm driving to Intel or, or whatever, wherever I worked. But it wasn't the same desperate prayer as if I have now. So that's one key difference. The other key difference in my life is, you know what? I step out more. I do get more practice in, in trying to share my faith and talk to people. But the last thing is this. I've learned to find some tools, right? If in engineering, if, if we had a job, sometimes to, to make the progress you need to have, you need to, you need to get the right tools. You need, the, you need the, right, um, the right tools in your hand. I don't have another word. This is a tool. If you've never read this little book, it's called Steps to Peace with God. It explains the gospel so simply. I, I got a stack of them here. If, you, if you've never read this book, if you want this and want to learn how to share your faith, like come up, see me after service. I'd love to give you that book. So that's the last thing that's really changed for me. I've, I became desperate to pray for the Holy Spirit in my life. I do get more practice because I'm bolder to step out. I think it's the Holy Spirit that gives me that boldness, and I found some tools. All right, so let's, let's keep on. We're going to look at John 16 now. Because the Holy Spirit comes with some very specific purpose, and I want us to understand that, because that's the whole purpose of why Jesus had to leave, that he would give us the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is speaking here in John 16, and he says, But now I'm going away to the one who sent me, and not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it's best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away... 
then I'll send him to you. So why did Jesus have to leave? Not just because the Holy Spirit was going to come, but it was for our best that he leave, right? It it doesn't kind of make sense to, I'm sure, the disciples and maybe like, wouldn't you have loved to have been walking with Jesus? And he's telling them now, hey, it's better for you if I go than if I stay. Because if I go, I'm going to send this Holy Spirit to you. And, and he's, he's called the advocate here. So what does it mean, this word advocate? Right, we find in, in New Living and in New International Version, it says advocate. In King James, it says helper. In New King James and New American Standard, it says comforter. But all of them come from the same Greek word. The Greek word is our paraclete or parakletos. So it's our advocate, our helper, our comforter. So here's what he's saying. If you look at the Greek What it's really saying is it's someone who's summoned or called to one side, especially in order to help someone who pleads another's cause before a judge, right? So the Holy Spirit comes and he's pleading our case before the heavenly father and saying, okay, Lord, it's lies that the enemy's bringing against them. Father God, Jesus is the one that paid the price for them. Like the Holy Spirit is our advocate. He's pleading our case. He's our comforter. He's our helper. You could look at him as he's our defense attorney, right? So that's who the Holy Spirit is in our lives. He's our paraclete. Do you know the Holy Spirit today? Do you know that he's before the Father pleading your case before the judge? That's who he is. Let's continue reading. And when he comes, this is talking of the Holy Spirit now, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness, of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father, and you'll see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. So what do we see here? The Holy Spirit is the one who convicts the world of its sin. You know, there's many times that I might be trying to share my faith with someone, and it's like, do you ever, do you ever know when you have an open door? You know, you're trying to talk to someone about the Lord. There's that open door, and it's like, man, it's just, it's so easy. They're just receiving and wanting to understand, and it's just, it's not hard at all. And then there's times you're talking, and it's like, nope, there's a closed door. I'm not getting anywhere. You know, I don't, I'm not a big fisherman, but here's my philosophy on fishing. If the fish are biting, you're going to have a great time. If they're not biting, you might as well go home or, or switch to a different spot. Like, why are you wasting your time? Is it just casting practice that you're going for? You know, if you're a fisherman, I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to step on your toes. I told you I'm not a fisherman. But that's my common sense approach to fishing, right? So if you're talking to someone about the Lord and it's a closed door, like, move on. Go down the river a little bit. Like, that's not the place to fish today. It's okay. It happens. But, man, if the fish are biting, like, that's a time. Take the time. Be interrupted, like go further in that conversation. It's worth it. So the Holy Spirit comes. He's the one who convicts us of sin. If he's not leading you in that conversation, just stop. But if he is, go forward with it. Then he says that he convicts the world of its sin. And what's the sin of the world? That it refused to believe in Jesus. You know, we have many religions here on the earth today. right? We, they'll talk about this one, that one, the other one. Maybe there's the person inside yourself you know what? There's only one way to heaven is what the Bible says, and it's through Jesus Christ. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. If you, if you want to understand God and you want to understand the God of the Bible, that's the way you understand him, right? As you come to him through Jesus and believing in Jesus. And then he says, righteousness is available because Jesus goes to the Father. 
right? It's not our righteousness that's, that's available. It's that Jesus, when he goes to the Father, now he is the righteous one seated at the right hand of the Father, and he invites us up to come in his presence. It's his righteousness that covers us. So what have we learned? The Holy Spirit brings conviction of sin. He shows us the righteousness of the Father. You know, I like to think that it's, it's Jesus' blood that atones for our sin and makes us righteous. It's not like our sin never happened, right? It's not like God says, oh, you know what, that sin, I'm going to excuse it. No, his blood atones for it and his grace overshadows our sin. That's what Jesus does. He doesn't excuse it like you sinned. You need to say sorry. You need to ask for forgiveness. You need to repent. But God is there to pay the price for our sin. I love this, this verse in 1 John 1, 9. It says, if we confess our sins to the Father... He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, and I think some of us, we go to the Father and we say, Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. But that's just half of it. He's going to forgive you, but he wants to cleanse you so that you don't go step back into the same doo-doo he's rescuing you from, right? So don't just say, God, forgive me. God, would you cleanse me today? Help me walk in a different direction, that I'm not going down the same path that got me into trouble. Lord, let me recognize the areas of temptation in my life that I steer clear of them. Like, why would you go in a minefield if you could walk around the minefield? Wouldn't you rather walk a little bit longer and walk around the mine? Sure we would. God is the one, through his Holy Spirit, that brings us conviction and shows us that pathway to righteousness. We're going to continue on the journey. There's so much more I want to tell you is what Jesus is saying, but you can't bear it, right? It's like, okay, he's got so much to say, but it's like, I'm on overload, Jesus. I'm not hearing you anymore. Blah, 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 right? They were missing what he was saying already, but that's why the Holy Spirit is there. But he says this, when the Holy Spirit of truth comes, he'll guide you into all truth. He'll not speak on his own, but he'll tell you what he's heard, and he'll tell you about the future, And he'll bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is what I said. The Holy Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. Sounds a lot like Jesus, doesn't it? I mean, that's why it's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the three are one. Because Jesus said, I don't say anything except what I hear my Father saying. And now Jesus is telling us the same thing about the Holy Spirit. He's not not a renegade. He doesn't go solo. They're all in concert between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is only going to tell you what, what... the Father says he should tell us. But what do we see here? He's our guide. He's our teacher. He's the one that's going to lead us. He's not going to speak on his own. He's not going to tell us. He's only going to tell us what he heard from the Father. And he's going to tell us about the future. You know, and I think all these things go together. And, and the best way I can explain it is this. A number of years ago, I, I forget if it was David's 16th, my son David, if it was his 16th birthday or his 18th birthday. But I wanted to do something cool and I happened to be at, at a, uh, you know, like a, some kind of a fair at, at school, and they had vendors and stuff. So anyway, I found this guy that was doing classes for whitewater kayaking. And I'm like, that would be really awesome. So I bought two classes. It's a private lesson on the river. This guy gives you all the gear. Me and David are going to go whitewater kayaking, right? Now, I have kayaks, but I don't have whitewater kayaks, not the kind that you're going to, you know, put the skirt on and everything. David's birthday's in October, so it's kind of cold. And it was a day that it was windy, it was cold. The guy comes and he gives us the suit and everything. And, you know, before we go out on the river, he's our guide. He's telling us, okay, you're going to start off slow, but the rapids are going to come here. And let me tell you what you got to do in rapids. So we're practicing on the shore what we got to do. Now, I don't know if you've ever been whitewater kayaking, but let me tell you the tips and tricks I learned that day. 
most people fall over in a kayak because they take their paddle out of the water. Right? Because you're leaning over, and the first thing you do is you want to lean this way, and your paddle comes out of the water, and, man, you sink right away. And he goes, if you're starting to lean over, just keep paddling. Don't take your paddle out of the water for a second. He goes, because your natural tendency when you're leaning right is to try to lean left, and you're going to go right over. It's not enough to counteract. Sure enough, we get in the river. Oh, this is easy. And then we all park and we see these rapids ahead. So he's like, okay, I'm going to go ahead. Just remember what I told you. He goes, does it great. David goes, does it great. And I'm like, okay, now it's your time, big guy. Are you going to fall? Like, it's cold. I do not want to fall. So I'm going down the rapids. Sure enough, I start to go. And I just keep paddling, paddling. And I pop and I keep going and I made it. Like this guide was amazing in what he told me. He actually told me what was going to happen and showed me the way out of it. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. He is our guide. He's our teacher. He knows what's happening next in your life. He sees it. He sees the white water and he's like, you're going down if you're not trusting in me. So what are you going to do? Are you going to say, oh, I know, I know what to do. I just got to lean. No, don't, don't go with your own intention. That's not going to work. You got to listen to your guide. He's the one that's going to help you, right? He's the guy. That's the Holy Spirit is so crucial in our life. So this is what we got this morning. He opens our understanding. He gives us the power to witness. He's our paraclete. He's our advocate, helper, comforter. He brings conviction of sin. He shows us righteousness. He's the spirit of truth, our guide. He doesn't speak on his own. So now here's what I'm going to say to end our message today. I want to ask you all a question. Where do you need the Holy Spirit? Right, so some of you may have walked in this morning saying, all right, I know the Father, I know the Son. And who's that third guy again of the Trinity? What does he do? Right? That's why Jesus left. That it would, he said it would be better for us if he left because he's sending us the Holy Spirit. But most of us never even know what he does or we don't talk to him. We don't ask for his help. So maybe you're here this morning and, and perhaps you don't really understand God's word. You don't take time to read it. I want to give you a challenge this morning. Would you take the Bible, open up to the Gospel of John, just read one chapter a day, but before you start reading that chapter, say, Holy Spirit, would you open up my mind to Scripture? Because that's what he does. He will do that for you today. Or maybe you're here, and you know what? You've been a Christian for a while. You read the Bible, but, but sharing your faith is like, no, nope, that's where I draw the line. I'm not doing that. Well, guess what? You don't have a choice because Jesus gave us the great commission and he gave it to all of us. It's not like pastors and elders get to do it and and the rest of you get a pass. No, we all have to share. And it's so natural. It's supernatural, if that makes any sense, when you start to share your faith because God just comes and works. But would you pray today and say, Holy Spirit, you give me the power to do this. You open the door if the fish are biting, Lord, let me keep casting. Let me go for it. If, if you want to step to peace with God and learn more about how to share your faith, it's very simple. Come, see me afterwards. Maybe the enemy is overwhelming you with anxiety, depression, filling your mind with, with everything that you're not instead of who you are in Christ. Right? You need an advocate this morning. You need someone to plead your cause before the Father and to kind of get the enemy off your back. The Holy Spirit is that one. Would you turn to him today and say, Holy Spirit, like, I need you in my life. I need that power. I need you to come and rescue me. He's here today. He will do that. Perhaps you're walking in, a, in an area of life and you're like, you know what? I've kind of strayed from the path 
that God would have me. I'm walking in the weeds. The grass is getting taller. Like, why am I doing this? The Holy Spirit is the one that brings conviction. He's the one that shows us the path to righteousness. If you're here this morning and you know, you know, I, I got to get back on track, we're going to pray after service today. Come forward. Let us talk with you. Let us pray. Get, back, get your life back on track by asking the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come in. Be my guide. Forgive me of my sin. And lastly, maybe you're at a crossroads this morning, right? Maybe you've got some decisions to make in life. Maybe you're not sure, do I go left? Do I go right? Could be relationships, could be financial, business. I don't know what it is. But the Holy Spirit is our guide. He doesn't speak on his own. He's here to give you the advice, to tell you what's coming, and to help you not fall into really, really cold water and get freezing. Would you stand with me as we close in prayer today? Father God, I thank you that your Holy Spirit is here because that's what your word says. Where two or more are gathered in your name, there you are in the midst of them. And Holy Spirit, we come to you. There's so many things that you do in our lives, Lord. I don't know where, where each one needs the Holy Spirit. I know where I need you today, God. But I pray for each of us. Let's just consider that question. Where do we need the Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit, I pray that as, as you start to, to talk to us, Lord, it's, it's in a way that we understand. And I thank you, Lord, for bringing that conviction, bringing that thought right to our mind right now. Where do people need, need you? And if you're starting to sense God is speaking to you and the Holy Spirit speaking to you, just raise your hands and surrender to him and, and start to just commune one-on-one with God. It doesn't take me. But you just raise your hand and surrender and say, yes, Holy Spirit, do, do the work in my life. Help me. Guide me, convict me of my sin, lead me to righteousness. Give me your power, Holy Spirit. We look to you today. And Lord, I pray for each one, Lord, that you would meet them, that they would have a a new understanding of who you are, Holy Spirit, that have a new relationship with you. Father God, come and move by your power, by your spirit. We thank you for it. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So if you're here this morning and you need prayer, please come forward. Let's pray after service. If you're online, please email us at prayer at and we, we pray all week long. We'll be praying for you. Thanks so much. See you downstairs at lunch.